0: Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? Thank you. Uh, well, good morning. Like uh, Pastor Duane said, my name is Manuel Sanchez, born and raised in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. I came here about 16 years ago to um, pursue a uh, Bible degree in uh, ministry and the plan was to go back to uh, the Dominican Republic immediately after graduation and that's what I did the Lord sent me back to DR and as soon as I went back uh, the circumstances were not uh, uh, the best for our church to receive me Uh, they were going through a major transition as a church And the Lord sent me back to the U.S., and I served uh, three years uh, as a pastoral intern at a church in Joliet, Illinois. That's where I met Greg and Angela uh, Wright. That's the connection there uh, with your church as well. And then the Lord uh, gave us an opportunity to serve seven years at a Spanish speaking church in Joliet, Illinois for seven, seven, seven and a half years. And after those years, the Lord began to Um, open a desire, give us a desire in our hearts to consider going back home to uh, my homeland, my home city, and plant a church. After discussing and talking to some missionaries and leaders in the DR, there's a great need for uh, gospel work and uh, gospel multiplication. So I'm going to share with you some some stats here. If you can go to the next slide, it will be helpful. Uh, You can go to the next one. Uh, DR, Santo Domingo, is in the Caribbean, and we have about 10.4 million people in the island and about 3.4 million um, in Santo Domingo, the capital, where we would like to uh, plan. Majority religion is uh, Catholic, 47% and Protestant, uh, 21% of which only 10% is Evangelical. And what that means is that in that stat, they threw in there some other uh, false religions as well, and they categorize it as Protestant as well. But when you do a research, only 10% right now is considered uh, evangelical. So it's decreasing over the years, and the need for gospel work is great in DR. And the Dominican, uh, prior to COVID, of course, it was one of the um, uh, fastest-growing economies in Latin America. So what the Lord called us to do, if you can go to the next slide, uh, what the Lord calls to do right now is to plan uh, churches to strategically reach uh, fast-growing cities with the gospel. We want to mobilize the Dominican church to be a training and sending agent. So if you can go to the next one. Uh, and as we were dreaming and praying about this opportunity, we came across this uh, interesting dynamic happening in the DR. Uh, people from Latin America are coming to DR. Some of them are uh, escaping political oppression, like in Venezuela. Some of them have moved from Cuba, uh, Colombia, and, of course, Haiti, whom we share the island with. So in Haiti, uh, Haiti, Colombian, Puerto Rican, um, Venezuelan, and um, and, uh, Dominicans, of course, they are all concentrating there in the island in Santo Domingo. And our vision is, to go to the next slide, please, is to be able to equip, train, and send those, those nations out into their own homelands and reach the gospel and reach their islands, their places with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you can go to the next one. And in, in light of what the Lord is calling us to do then, uh, we have named our church Grace City Church in Spanish Ciudad de Gracia. And our vision is to display the grace... Of Jesus to our city and the world. And our mission is to make disciples who glorify God, love his church, and go on mission. This is a picture of the old colonial city when uh, uh, Columbus came and uh, into the island in 1842. You can go to the next one. And this is our team. Uh, We have a Wonderful team of uh, three other uh, wonderful brothers and pastors. They are serving in the DR currently. So, on um, the first picture here, uh, the first gentleman is uh, Pastor Karel. He is from Cuba and he has a burden and a desire to potentially go back to Cuba. So, he could be one of our planters that we send out. The next one in the picture is Pastor Carlos next to uh, Pastor Karel. And Carlos and I have served together. He planted a church in a rural area in Santo Domingo outside of Santo Domingo and he's been there for 15 plus years and uh, we planted together that ministry and now he's gonna transition to Ciudad de Gracia Lord willing uh, this coming year and the next one is Roberto Roberto uh, came to the states also and pursue a education in Bible as well and he's gonna be our music and slash youth minister, you know that when you're in a church plant, you wear many hats. Roberto's going to be doing one of those. Where's Josh? Josh is waving at me. Yeah, he, he, you wear many hats, brother, and thankful for you. Uh, and then Pastor Ryan is a uh, pastor at Gospel Hope Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He is going to, uh, we are going through a training with him on church planting and multiplication, and uh, that was one of the trips that he was doing some training with us. There are some ways that you can get involved with us, and you already are doing so. One of them is to pray for us. You can go to the next, pray for us. Um, we are going through a lot of transition right now. We moved from uh, Joliet, Illinois this past August to Atlanta, Georgia, a big change. I've lived all my time in the U.S. I've been here in the north, and I loved it, except for the weather and the snow. I did not like that. Uh, I grew up a Packers fan uh, here in Wisconsin, so sorry, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we'll be praying for you guys. Uh, and, and now we are planning on moving again this, this coming August. So within a year, we've, we're going to be doing about three moves as a family. We have four kids, uh, Josue, uh, Noemi, Salome, and Nathan, and my wife, Jennifer. We've been married for 10 wonderful years this coming May, Lord willing, and I'm so grateful for for, uh, her willingness to follow what the Lord is calling us to do in the Dominican Republic. So pray for us as we uh, transition uh, to the DR this summer. You can also um, give, and you guys are doing already. I was so encouraged by your pastors here. When I presented the vision, they immediately Uh, felt that it would be a good partnership for us to work together and advance the gospel in the DR. So thank you for your generosity. And we want to encourage you to uh, send out your own people as well and maybe come and join us and do some gospel work in the Dominican Republic. So that's a little bit about a ministry and what we're hoping uh, to do. And in closing, regarding Ciudad de Gracia, being a Dominican, we've received a lot of... uh, grace from missionaries that came from the U.S. and ministered to us, to our family. And the biggest burden that we have is that we want to now equip and send and mobilize the Dominican church from moving to move from the joy of receiving to the joy of giving. Now that we've received so much resources and so much gospel training, we believe that now it is our time as Dominicans to uh, Get busy and train and send our own missionaries to Latin America and the world. So, if you can pray for us, that the Lord will help us advance His vision in the DR for His glory. That's uh, Ciudad de Gracia. Uh, So, we are thankful for you and your partnership. If we can turn your attention to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. This morning, I have a passage of scripture that I want to share with you in light of what I had an opportunity to share with our church in Atlanta, and I would like to share with you also here this morning, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read this passage. And I am going to pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word this morning. John 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me let's pray. Father, as I open your word this morning and as we study this passage, I pray that your spirit would encourage us, bring conviction, bring hope, bring encouragement to our troubled hearts. Father, we live in a sinful broken world and oftentimes whether it is through pain inflicted on us or outside of our control we are all tempted to be anxious and troubled at times and i pray that as you have placed this passage in front of me today that uh, you would use my words to speak clearly uh, your gospel to your church here today thank you for the district church and their uh, passion and vision to uh, see the gospel advance not only in their J- Jerusalem and Samaria, but also to the world. And I pray, Father, right now, that you would give us many, many opportunities to together advance the gospel in the DR. Even right now, Father, I pray that families that are right now going through struggle, going through the uh, the brokenness of sin, experiencing the brokenness of sin, I pray that you would prepare their hearts even right now. And whether we are the ones that begin that work of preaching the gospel or water the work that you already began, O oh Lord, I pray that we would see fruit together of what you are going to do in the DR for the sake of your name and for the advancement of your kingdom. In your name I pray. Amen. Let me warn you: uh, if I get a little bit excited or confused, some Spanish words might come out because that's my native language. So, if you hear me say something in Spanish, just say "Amen" or something like that. <laughs> I'm saying something biblical, hopefully. So, trouble hearts. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by a difficult circumstance, a broken relationship? the passing of a loved one, the financial situation that you might be going through, a job situation that you are facing right now, and have you ever felt like the anxiety creep in and bubble up from your stomach to your heart to your mind? Well, this is nothing new. Because we all have experienced situations like that. Maybe you right now this morning are sitting, you're sitting right here, and you can completely relate to some of these descriptions that I just gave you. And I believe this passage this morning from John 14, verses 1 through 6, would teach us and help us and remind us that you and I have much more hope so that we do not give ourselves into anxiety. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know that we can find care and wisdom, trust and care in the wisdom of God when you and I are tempted to be anxious. And what I'm going to do this morning is to expound three simple points to help us fight or help us, help us have victory over this temptation to be anxious at times. So, how to trust God when our hearts are troubled. How do I trust God when my heart is troubled, when I feel anxious? Well, in verse number one, we find Jesus, how he calls his disciples, and he says, we believe in the character of God. So whatever your struggle might be this morning, Jesus calls you and me to believe in the character of God. Look at verse one with me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And this is very important here. Because for three years, the ministry of Jesus Christ has been a success. Large crowds have been following Jesus and his 12 disciples. The disciples had front row seats to the greatest teacher in the whole universe. They witnessed the authority of his teaching, calling people uh, to follow him. They saw Jesus rebuke the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. They saw Jesus healing many who were sick. They saw Jesus welcome the poor, free people from their, uh, who were demon-possessed. They saw Jesus uh, do the, the famous miracle of the 5,000, multiplying the fish and the, and the loads of bread. They saw Jesus uh, bring Lazarus from the death. They saw Jesus do great and wonderful miracles. So they are following the perfect Son of God here on earth, and they experience all the joys of a successful ministry. But all of a sudden, Jesus calls a meeting. And he says, hey, by the way, guys, listen, this has been a great ride. But by the way, Matthew 16:21, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men." He breaks the news. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, raise again. And in John 13 21, he says, By the way, one of you will betray me tonight. Tonight, one of you is going to get up from here, it's going to walk away, and it's going to sell me away for some silver coins. Can you imagine what goes through the minds of the disciples? Wait a minute, Jesus. All this success. Are you saying we're closing shop all of a sudden? What happened to the miracles? What happened to all the wonderful things that are happening in our ministry? And all of a sudden you're saying that you're going to die? And then Peter, a vocal follower of Jesus who, who wanted to be loyal and is, was loyal to Christ until the end here, he says, Lord, you will not die. I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Are you for real? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crawl until you have denied me three times. Now Peter is concerned. Now Peter is troubled in his heart. These news are difficult to swallow after the wonderful three years of ministry with the Son of God on earth. You can almost feel how Jesus understands how their hearts is beginning to get troubled in their minds, and in their hearts. And he says, wait a minute, guys. Slow down. I know that in your hearts right now, you're believing many other things. I know in your hearts right now, you're tempted to be anxious, to be troubled. And he says, don't let your heart get there. Don't let your heart be troubled. Okay, Jesus, what do we do? You're telling us to not let our hearts be troubled, What do we do then? He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus, knowing the propensity of the human heart to be overwhelmed by difficult circumstances, he commands them to believe in God. And in doing so, they will be believing also in Jesus. Jesus. What Jesus is calling out here is the oneness and the divine authority that he has as the Son of God and God himself. He says, when you believe in God, you also are believing in me. It is necessary for you and I to exercise this this important practice in your heart and in my heart. The exercise of believing and remembering how we need to believe in times of trouble. Why is, why is this important? Because Jesus himself was also troubled. When you look at John and Mark, chapter 14, verses 36, verse 36, and you look also and in the Gospels, in John 12, 27, and 28, it says that Jesus was troubled in his heart. And in Gethsemane, he was troubled, and then he says, Lord, if it's possible, can you pass this cup from me? Not my will, but your will be done. What is Jesus saying when he says, even though my heart is troubled, I am going to rest. I'm going to rely in the fact that I know my God knows better. And I know he has a plan. And I'm going to submit. I'm going to rest in his perfect plan. Jesus is trusting, is believing in the character of, of God He goes back to what he knows is true about his mission, about the reason for the reason that he came to die on the cross for our sins. Now, this uh, theme of believing is all over the Gospel of John. It is said that ninety eight times the gospel of John. Calls people to believe one way or another. This 98 times that this family of words are presented are summarized in John chapter 20, verse 31, when Jesus when John says, But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The theme of John is just believe in the Son of God. Believe, believe, believe. Is a call to believe. So, what happens is that when our hearts are anxious and troubled, it's because we we have stopped believing something about the character and nature of God. The reason that you and I struggle with anxiety sometimes, and the reason you and I, our hearts sometimes get troubled and overwhelmed and anxious is because we have stopped believing something about the character and goodness of God at some point in that difficult circumstance right there. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. I want you to exercise belief. Belief. I need you to believe. And it's a reminder for you and me today, how oftentimes do we forget even as believers, we can act as unbelievers? So we use the word believe and believer and unbeliever, and we oftentimes we categorize them as believers are those who have trusted in the work of Jesus, and that is true. And unbelievers are those who have not trusted in the work of Jesus Christ. But you and I sometimes can act or live our lives as unbelievers. Like we forget the, the work of Christ or we forget the promises of God and we can act as unbelievers. You might be saying, well, that might not be me. And I would say, well, that might be us. You look at Genesis chapter 12 and you find Abraham. In Genesis 12, he's Abram, And then later on in chapter 14, he's changed his name to Abraham. But in Genesis chapter 12, it is so interesting how you find in verses 1 through 9, you find Abraham believing what God tells him to do. The Lord shows, shows up and he tells Abraham, hey, I want you to pack up your bags and start walking and I'm going to show you where you're going to go. Can you imagine that? Move out of your house, pack up your stuff and go where I'm going to tell you. And as Abraham is going away, you can imagine people, the neighbors, like, where are you going, Abraham? And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I believe that God spoke to me, and I'm going to do what he told me to do. I'm going to go. I'm going. So you find Abraham believing, and you look at Abraham, and you say, wow, I want that faith. But then you get to verse 11 through 17, and you find that Abraham not believing in the same way because there's a famine that arises in the, in the land and then they have to go to Egypt and when they go to Egypt it says that Sarai, Abraham's wife, was beautiful and when they get to Egypt he says they're gonna kill me and they're gonna take you away from me so let's have a plan we're gonna say that you are my sister so when we get in and they ask you Who are you? You're going to say, I am, we are brothers, and we're brother and sister. And in that way, they will not kill me. Do you see what Abraham is doing there? He just forgot the promises of God given to him in verses 1 through 9. And in verses 10 through 17, now he is acting and operating on an unbelief. He doesn't believe the Lord can protect him. He doesn't believe that the Lord can protect his wife. He doesn't believe that the Lord can provide for his needs. Do you understand what's happening there? As as a believer, our hearts oftentimes can trick us and can make us act or can can tempt us to act as a believer. I do that all the time. Sometimes... As a believer of the gospel and as a preacher of the gospel, sometimes when I fail, I tend to believe a lie that there is no way I'm going to change. I believe a lie. Sometimes when when uh, my wife brings something up to me, an area where I need to grow, I feel like I cannot measure up. It's a lie. Because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, we are welcomed, we are received just as we are because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't depend on me. We need to believe. In his book, Gospel Fluency, uh, the author says a phrase very interesting, our behaviors are the tangible expression of our beliefs. Our behaviors are the tangible expression of our beliefs. This is what it, he's what saying pretty much. The way you act reflects what you are believing. The way you act, your behavior reflects what you are believing. My daughter, Salome, she's five, she's two years old. She's not five yet, sorry. She's two years old. And when I change her diaper, I sit her on the bed or, you know, Sometimes I do it on the bed there. When I change her diaper or I do, you know, I'm trying to change her or something, she stands on the edge of the bed and she opens her arms and she just throws herself forward. Like, literally, she just goes, whoop, like I'm going down. And she's looking at me and and, and if I don't catch her, she's going to hit the ground and we're going to be in trouble, right? Well, why is she so... So trusting, why is she behaving that way? Why is she acting like that? Because she trusts daddy. She just throws herself on the arms of a fallible human being. Because she knows that I'm going to catch her. Because she knows that I'm going to reach out to her and protect her and hug her. And say, you are going to be okay. You are going to be fine. And church, how much more you and I should should our behavior should reflect the fact that we are trusting and throwing ourselves in the arms of our Father, of our Heavenly Father, and say, God, in this difficult situation right now, I choose to believe that you are my Lord. I choose to believe that you are my rock. I choose to believe that you know that you know all my needs. I choose to believe that you know my needs before they even arise. I choose to believe that you are my provider. I choose to believe that no tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God, I choose to believe in the midst of my struggle right now. And Jesus says, Guys, Settle down, focus, believe in God. Believe also in me. What is God calling you to believe today in the midst of your anxiety and struggle? What is God calling you to believe today that you have forgotten and you forgot that your God is good and sovereign in all of this? So Jesus says, the way we combat and we fight our anxiety, our troubled hearts, is first of all, you believe. You believe. Number two, he says, we look beyond, beyond our current trouble. We look beyond our current trouble. Verses 2 and 3. Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So Jesus does something very interesting here. So Jesus turns their eyes to heaven. And Jesus does a couple of things here to try to, to give him a perspective about what he's doing with his departure. And, and what Jesus is trying to do is not only to, to distract their minds from their current struggle, but he's trying to, to fix their eyes into what's coming Into the beauty of heaven, into the relationship of heaven. And we normally preach or use this passage when we face a tragedy or when a loved one, uh, or, or when we lose a loved one, and rightly so. But I believe that also as Christians, we need to learn to look beyond our current trouble and experience and enjoy the beauty of the promised heaven and relationship with our Father for all eternity so when my son natan sometimes gets so fixated in in something that he wants to do or he's afraid of something i try to say something way out of the blue so at night he might be scared and we pray and then i say what do you want for breakfast tomorrow what am i doing And trying to distract him right and parents here know what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying, right? What do you want for breakfast tomorrow, pancakes? Oh, yeah, yeah, pancakes. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, he's clocked out. <laughs> what, what happened? Well, I, I just simply just, just changed his perspective. Like, buddy, it, it's not just, the, yes, you're afraid of the, the right now. And it's okay to be afraid. We prayed about it. But let's think about what's, what's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to be so cool. We're going to have breakfast. Now, I need to fulfill that promise sometimes, right? Sometimes I don't do it, uh, unfortunately, but I need to fulfill that promise next day. Well, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, this is very difficult right now, and I know my departure hurts, but it is necessary for me to go. I need to go. Because he says, if I don't go, then I cannot prepare a place for you in my father's house. The better translation for father's house is also, in my father's house, sorry, there are many rooms. Is a better translation than mansions. The word mansions was translated from the Latin to the Greek, and it gives the idea of a big place. We think of a rich area of Indianapolis when you think about a mansion. But in the text, it's simply a room. So in the, in the in Jesus's times, what happened was that when a father and uh, when one when a son got married, he would ju- he would come and join his father's house, and a different room would be prepared for him next to his father father's house. And a commentary said that sometimes it would be like a big circle if if the father had many sons, and then you can have a son here and son here and son here, all connected to the father's house so what jesus is simply saying here you're going to be close to the father you're going to have access to the father but where is this going to happen where is this going to take place in heaven where the father is in heaven in the precious promise of heaven so what jesus is saying is i need to go i need to prepare to secure a place for you in heaven Think about that future promise of my work securing a place for you in heaven. I need to go and bear the shame and punishment of your sin on the cross. For what reason? So that I can take you into my Father's house. Again, the perspective and the mindset of Jesus is towards the future. And why is it so hard for us to think about heaven and the future? Well, because we are very distracted in a very fast-paced secular world today. We're amused by our phones. We cannot even watch a five minute video anymore. They're shortening anymore because it's not getting our attention. We need more colors. We need more stadiums. We need more things to keep us entertained. We cannot open our Bibles for long until we start dozing off and and move to something else because we are so bombarded by the here and now that we forget the eternal. And let me remind you something, church. We are followers of Jesus. And this world is not all that there is. There is an eternal and future promise of perfect relationship and, and, and life with our Heavenly Father in Heaven. And we need to set our minds and think about Heaven more often. You look beyond your current circumstance. You find the Apostle Paul doing this all over the Pauline epistles. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read it for you for the sake of time. But look at Paul. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is Paul saying? Hey, listen. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be thinking and looking and meditating where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth. And, and, and you think about Paul here, and, and then you move to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. In in Philippians chapter 3, he says, chapter 1, he says, I'd rather go to heaven and be with the Lord, but I also have a attention because I want to be here and minister to you the gospel of grace. Paul is always thinking about. Heaven and you wonder how did he make it through all this persecution how did he make it through all this affliction and through all this beating and through all this this uh uh uh, time in prison well paul had a heaven mind heaven mindset heavenly mindset he's always thinking and reflecting in jesus who is in heaven and then in second corinthians chapter 4 verses 17 and 18 he says for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison so paul is saying this this situation that i'm facing right now is light and it's gonna pass at some point you might be saying well paul that's not me that's not me. My pain, my struggle right now, my job loss, my, the, the passing of my loved one, this is, this is heavy, Paul. And Paul doesn't deny that. And then he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Again, John 14, three, uh, th- th- 2 and 3. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And Paul, after being beaten up almost to death, he gets up and he writes this letter to a troubled church. And he says, you need to look at the things that are unseen. You need to have a mindset set on Jesus and in the future promise of heaven. Oh, what a reminder for my own heart. What a reminder for our hearts today, church, to keep our eyes set on Jesus and look beyond our trouble. We can trust His character. We need to believe in His character. We need to look beyond our struggle. And thirdly, with this I conclude, we need to embrace our all-sufficient Jesus. So first of all, How do we fight anxiety and troubled hearts when our hearts are tempted to be troubled? Well, we believe in the promises of God, in the character of God. Second, we look beyond our current struggle. And thirdly, we embrace our all-sufficient Jesus. Look at verse 5 and 6 with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the best way to explain what's happening here is is an illustration that I've used often. Thomas here is concerned and confused with Jesus' words. Jesus, three years of ministry, excellent. Uh, the, the, the ministry is exploding we praise you for that now you're saying you're leaving now you're saying that that we know the way where you are going uh, jesus i am confused jesus i am not sure i'm not tracking what is happening here and jesus then responds with this powerful well-known words that we all know and can even quote by memory and here's what's happening illustration I like to use is this. I am directionally challenged. Like most men, if we admit. I'm kidding. Uh, I don't want to be alone on that one, but I am alone on this one. If you don't give me a GPS, I'm lost. Especially here in the U.S. I have no idea where I'm at. Uh, So There have been many times where I am driving down the highway and if my phone is dead or whatever happens, I stop at a gas station and I ask, how do I get to this place? And then you get conflicting answers, right? Somebody says in the line behind you, he says, oh, no, you just need to keep going straight for another 30 minutes. And I'm like, that's not helpful. And somebody says, you need to go north. And I'm like, north? I don't know where north is, Ah. Uh, you need to go west. You need to go east. You need to go south. And I'm just confused. You need to go 10 miles on the, the road. And you just get kind of confused, right? Especially if you're like me that you have no idea what you're doing, where you're going. And my wife is like nodding, like yes, yes, yes. It's so true. Until I've had this happen to me many times because some good Samaritan have seen my struggle and they come to me and they say, you know what? I know where that at. I'll take you there. Follow me. And you get in the car and you follow this vehicle and he drives by the place and he points at it and he's like, that's where you're going. I'll take you there. That's where you, you were lost? Here it is. I'll take you there. That's exactly what's happening here in John 14 verses 5 and 6. Thomas is saying, Lord, we're confused. We really don't know where you're going. We really don't know the way. We, we don't know what's going on. And Jesus says, Thomas, I myself will take you there. I am the way. I came from the Father. And if you trust in me and on the death that I'm going to give for, for your behalf and my resurrection, I am going to take you there back to the Father. I am the life. On the third day, I am going to trample over death. And I'm going to show up in one of these rooms in the future, Thomas. And you're going to doubt that I resurrected from the dead. I'm going to show up and I'm going to say, here I am alive. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. And church, this is what we need to embrace in times of uncertainty. Lord, I don't know how to get my heart settled down and to trust you right now. You know what you do? You throw yourself and believe God's promises and Jesus says, I will take you there. I will give you the peace that you're looking for. I will wipe your tears from your eyes. I will give you comfort in the midst of... Of your struggle i will give you joy that surpasses all understanding i will do it on your behalf throw yourself at me trust in me isn't that wonderful news for us today oh how we need to remember that we need to trust in the self and the all-sufficient jesus when we are faced with trouble and like a good preacher, I said I'm concluding, but I have a little bit more. <laughs> Duane said, don't worry, you have all the time you want. <laughs> this is the promise that helps my heart. Because, let's be honest, you hear this, okay, I need to trust Jesus. I need to believe his promises. I need to look beyond that. I, but how, how do I do that? And then you move down to verse 16 in John 14 and Jesus says something very interesting. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The word helper is the word translated also as advocate, paracleto in, uh, in the original. And it means somebody that goes in front Besides and behind you is somebody that is always with you. doesn't matter what you're going through. And the promise of Jesus is, whatever is troubling your heart, you need to know that you're not going through it alone. My spirit is going with you. It's going before you. It's going next to you. It's going behind you. You are totally surrendered, surrounded by my presence at all times. My spirit is with you. You are not alone. And that is good news for us today. So you do this not in your own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit who is going to be with you. Practical applications. Just two words of practical applications. If you walk away from here today and you're like, there's two things that I want to encourage you to do. Number one is, I want to encourage you, church, to meditate in God's Word. But hear how. Here's how. Write down, I believe statements about God. Meditating God's word by writing down I believe statements. Let me give you an example. When you feel too weak and you feel like you can't go anymore, you you write down I believe statements like this. Jesus says, and I believe that my power is made perfect in his weakness. So Lord, I am weak, but I believe that you are going to give me the power to endure through this situation. Write down, I believe, statements. When you feel that you don't have, that you cannot, that you don't measure up, and you cannot do it yourself, you need to write down, I believe, statements like this. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I believe it. And right now, my heart is, is tempting me to be anxious and to be troubled, but I'm going to write down, I'm going to speak it out, I'm going to preach the gospel to myself. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. And church, this is a medicine to our troubled hearts, to speak I believe statements to our own selves. Oh, how much we need to do that and believe that and do that. And secondly, don't, don't fight your troubled heart alone. Don't fight alone. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit. And second, you need to live in the community of the body of Christ. If you're not in a community group, you need to get plugged in into a community group. Because if you fight alone, you're soon, sure, soon enough, you're going to be discouraged and you're going to feel overwhelmed. Don't fight alone. Fight in community. Bring others around you. And I've experienced the beauty of how a community group has come along the Wrights family right now in the passing of Angela's dad and and how to see people dropping meals, see people coming and doing laundry for them, see people loving on them. And what that does to the Wrights is that it reminds them that God is a faithful God and they're not fighting alone. And we all need that. Christianity is not meant to be, to live isolated or to be a lone ranger. It's meant to live, to be lived in community. And the way you fight against your troubled heart is bringing those requests before your brother and sister in Christ and saying, can you pray for me right now because my heart is troubled, my heart is anxious. Don't fight alone. Write down I believe statements and don't fight alone. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Would you bless it? In spite of my insufficiencies, in spite of my struggle communicating, I pray that through your spirit, you would change us. You will remind us of our need to believe. Father, somebody here that doesn't believe in this Jesus I pray that his heart and his eyes will be open to the one who is the way the truth and the life and the only way this person can can have a relationship and experience full joy and life in this world is by trusting in you by throwing themselves at you if that's you if you don't know Jesus today, I, I encourage you to come to him. To believe that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And to believe that only in and through Jesus you can find ultimate joy and forgiveness of sins. Would you come to Jesus if that's you? And if you, don't, if you do know Jesus this morning, oh church, I encourage you to go back and remember His promises and to believe in the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word of God that has been given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? At